Hi, everybody. Welcome to a Thanksgiving edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only W.W. Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And certainly happy Thanksgiving to all of our viewers and listeners out there. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Weston. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too, Mike. A lot to be thankful for this year. I wish uh, circumstances were a little bit different. I wish you and I were, uh, it was the old days, you and I at a metal you know, table together, no masks, <laughs> right. uh, just frolicking around. But um, this is the world we live in. I'm happy to be here, happy to be healthy, and happy for some Packers football this Sunday against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, well, it will be Sunday night football, primetime audience, the final game of the big Thanksgiving weekend of all of the uh, football activity around the country, Lambeau Field, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on Sunday night. And as we talked about on our last show, there's al- you almost can't overstate the importance of this game because while the Packers can try to take a three-game lead in the NFC North with five to play, the Bears are looking at trying to get within one game with five games to play. And uh, the, the dynamic of this division race is going to completely change depending on the result of Sunday night's game. So as we get into this here, where does the path to victory start for the Green Bay Packers to get to 8-3? and three? I mean, honestly, Mike, it's probably as simple as just trying to keep the Bears off the scoreboard. Uh, This season, the Chicago Bears, it's been a grind for them to put up points. And during their four-game losing streak now, I mean, 10 points, 23 against the Saints, 17 against the Titans, 13 against Minnesota. Now, credit to them, their defense has kept them in a lot of these things. Absolutely. But they just haven't been able to produce points to come up with victories in this season. Only one game with more than 30, only two with more than 23. So... For the Green Bay Packers, I really do believe this is it's as simple as it can be. You put up points, you score early, you establish momentum. No, it's not an easy defense to do that against. But if you get production, it's ultimately going to be something that I don't think the Bears, with the way that they're situated right now, especially as the temperatures begin to dip here, they're not really built for a shootout. Yeah, that's definitely not the type of game that the Bears want to get into, and certainly it would behoove the Packers to get off to a strong start and put that Bears def- Bears offense excuse me, behind the eight ball. I think defensively for the Packers, I think this whole thing starts, and I hate to use cliches, but it all starts with stopping the run, and I have my reasons for, for using that cliche in this particular matchup. The Chicago Bears have lost four straight games, They've had a chance to catch their breath on their bye week and reassess and look at everything and figure out how they're going to move forward, offensively specifically. Now, as you and I are taping this, we did cheat a little bit, taped it a little early, so we don't know at this particular moment whether the Bears are going with Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or who is going to be the quarterback. But I think regardless of who the quarterback is for Chicago on Sunday night, the Bears are going to come into Lambeau Field with a fierce commitment to run the football to help out that quarterback. And here's the thing, Wes. This was a statistic I got off of, actually, the Chicago Bears website. Their, my counterpart, their senior writer at their website, had his Tuesday afternoon chat. So I oh, stalked like it. your Wednesday afternoon chat. You guys are yeah. going to have a battle yeah, royale. Yeah, we, 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 we battle with our live chats day <laughs> after day. But I, I stalked it a little bit just to see what, uh, what Larry Meyer, Larry's a great guy, I've, talk to him at the combine, you know, on an annual basis and and see him when we are traveling. But he, he had a statistic that really struck me, Wes, and here it is. 
The first three games of the season, the Chicago Bears averaged 138 rushing yards per game, and they were 3-0. and Since then, the Bears have averaged 52 rushing yards per game, and they are 2-5. and Now, looking at the aggregate totals, that means in the first three games, the Bears rushed for over 400 yards, and in their last seven games, they haven't even hit the 400-yard mark on the ground. I think if the Bears are looking to reset and reassess and figure out how to get this offense going, it goes back to being committed to running the ball. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to be Cordero Patterson, if David Montgomery will be healthy, if it's going to be the wide receivers taking handoffs, whatever the case yeah. might be. But I think the Packers have to be ready for the Bears to be strongly committed to the run in this game, and that's where it starts for the Packers. Yeah, and right now, I mean, there's still a whole week to play out here, but it does look promising for Montgomery to potentially be back for this game. That's sort of the reports coming out of Chicago right now. But to get to your previous point, that's been the big issue. It's not that there's a difference between not having a running game and not having a running back, and that's where the Bears have been here since basically – uh, well, one, they lost Cohen right away to the beginning of the season. Right, that was a big blow to their offense. And then not having Montgomery due to this concussion, as you said, Cordero Patterson is handling a lot of the the handoffs now. And as fast as he is, it's a different game when you're in the backfield and there's all those bodies as opposed to when you're in the open field and you can create. We'll talk about keys to victory here. He's certainly among them, but he's just not a natural running back. Although, right. if you go back, he did hurt the Packers a little bit during his time out of the backfield in New England. So... David Montgomery here, as you and I have said for basically the last two and a half years, this is the guy that they need to lean on. He needs to be the man. Uh, They made so many decisions, uh, including last year with Mike Davis cutting him midseason to commit to Montgomery. If he's back on the field, this game changes a lot because, as you pointed out with those statistics, it hasn't even been a situation where they can't run the ball. They just haven't really even seemed to have it in their DNA offensively without him on the field. Still a lot of weapons to worry about, regardless of who the quarterback is. Allen Robinson is one of the most underrated receivers in the National Football League. He can hurt you. I think Cole Clement has had some big moments this year. He can hurt you. But that backfield, if Montgomery's back there, that's where my eyes are at if I'm Mike Mike Pettin and this Packers defensive line. Yeah, and the Packers on on the run defense side of things, we've just seen we've seen so much up and down with it. The the first half against Jacksonville, James Robinson looks like he's running wild. Then the second half against Jacksonville, the Packers clamp down. Robinson doesn't get a whole lot. Jonathan Taylor doesn't get much at all in the first half for the Colts this past Sunday. Then in the second half, the Colts' run game gets cranked up and, and the Packers are on their heels and suddenly can't stop the run again. It's, it's been this up and down this up and down thing. And you know, the Bears, the Bears are looking at that film. They, they're, going, they're going to try to figure out a way to get this ground game going. And the, and the Packers need to get some, some measure of steadiness and consistency with their run defense because whoever the quarterback is for Chicago, I think it's probably going to be Trubisky, but we'll just have to see for sure. Whoever the quarterback is for Chicago, the Packers have to put the game in that person's Hands yeah. And if it is Trubisky, you have to be aware of the scrambling and the running around and whatnot more so than anybody else. But that's, that's who the Packers – the Packers have to turn the Bears' offense over to the quarterback and not let that running game control the tempo. You know how we always talk about in the past, uh, you know, Aaron – not Aaron Rodgers, but Brett Favre, if he would have just come a little bit earlier to Green Bay and if Sterling Sharp would have just lasted a little bit longer, sure. you know, what that could have been like together – Matt Nagy never was able to cross paths with Matt Forte, 
But my goodness, what a combo oh. that would have been when you think about the style of offense that Nagy wants to run. And there have been needed to be a lot of concessions for to, to kind of tailor it to the personnel of Chicago. But that's really the back that's been missing from this team yeah. since he left five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and just the guy that can be a ball, he can be a bell cow. He can run between the tackles. He can catch. Uh, I think Montgomery has a lot of those traits, but he just doesn't seem to have that final one where it's like, yeah. this is a guy that you can just ride, play in and play out. Or he's, he's still a young developing player who's had some injury issues yeah. and hasn't, hasn't really established that consistent presence yet. It, he may get there, but he's yeah. not there yet. Yeah. It's just, it's, I, I, cause I was incredibly high on him. I remember saying that to you. I'm like, when they had to trade all those picks to get Khalil Mack, that draft, I was, I would have been totally fine if David Montgomery was my first pick in the third round that year. Uh, but for you know whatever reasons, injuries, offensive structure, uh, it hasn't happened yet, and the Packers have to make sure on Sunday that it doesn't happen if he is on the field. Yeah. All right, well, before we switch to the offensive side of the ball for Green Bay here, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans, be sure to gear up for game day. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. All right, on the offensive side of the ball here for Green Bay, this is this to me is the is the interesting statistic going into it, Wes. We know the Bears' defense is good. They don't give up a lot of points. They're first in the league in third down defense. The Packers are fourth in the league in third down offense. That's an interesting matchup here. But here's the thing. The Chicago Bears are 14th in the league against the run. Yeah. They're actually giving up 115 rushing yards per game, which is slightly, which is about a yard per game more than Green Bay. The Packers are actually ranked 13th against the run for all of their ups and downs in, in that phase of things. I think the Packers, Matt LaFleur in this offense, needs to have a certain commitment to the run here against the Chicago Bears defense, whether it's Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams or whoever you want to, to feature more. Packers have got to get the ground game back. It's much like the Bears. The Packers have to get their ground game back to where it was in yeah. September in terms of the production for this offense to, uh, to really be at, at, at full steam and full strength for four quarters. And I think the Packers will look to do that on Sunday night. Yeah, and, and I think even if you listen to Matt LaFleur coming out of that game and even sort of the, the tone of his voice here the last week or so, they want to be more committed to the run. When they were really offensively pushing the tempo earlier this season, it was because they were running the ball well, specifically with Aaron Jones. So yeah. the, the question here is going to be finding the tempo, right? Because to some extent, I understand why they didn't run the ball more against Indianapolis. They opened in a five-receiver set. It was a great call. They got one-on-one -on -one looks for Devontae Adams, but as we saw going back to the Mike McCarthy era, that's a great aggressive mindset to have. But if that's an incompletion, you're looking at second and 10. And then you're looking at third and long if you aren't able to, to find either another pass or break a run. That's where you start to play from behind a little bit. I thought what one of the things Green Bay did exceptionally well during their four-game winning streak to start the year was that there was such a good balance, but all those pass concepts sort of were predicated on what they were establishing with the run yeah they've been up against it Aaron Jones has been hurt Tyler Irvin now is dealing with a second injury he had the wrist now he has a rib injury uh, they, they've had to really make all these modifications but I just go back to that tried and true stat Mike it's not fun it's not some like great PFF or sabermetric thing but 
if you look at the history here, when Aaron Jones touches the ball 20 or more times in a game, it turns out pretty good for Green Bay, and they just haven't been able to get in that vicinity as of late. Yeah, and I was looking up some numbers, and I actually uh, uh, wrote about that in the Wednesday Insider Inbox edition. Aaron Jones only had 14 touches against the Indianapolis Colts, so you wonder, like, why aren't the Packers giving them the ball more? Well, the Packers only ran 57 <laughs> offensive plays in the game. The, the two three-and-outs in the third quarter and combined with – you know, the Colts with the long drives, yeah. and then you have the fumble on the kickoff, so you lose a possession there. The number of opportunities the Packers had. And they tried had, to run on those two three and outs. Yeah, too. and, and they, yeah. Did, they did, exactly. But overall, the number of opportunities are down. When we've seen Aaron Jones getting the 20-plus touches per game, the Packers are running, you know, well north of 60 offensive plays total. They're up at 66, 68, you know, maybe even 70 plays. I think the first game of the season against Minnesota, Green Bay ran like 75 offensive yeah. plays. Or, I mean, just think the difference between 75 plays in week one and 57 plays last week. It's a huge difference over the course of the game. So it's, it's, all, of, it's all of that. It's, it's, about getting, it's about getting the offense, you know, in, in that consistent move-the-chains mode to get Aaron Jones all those opportunities that you'd like him to get. Because you do want Aaron Jones yes. to touch the ball more than 14 times in a game. Everybody would admit that. Right. No, exactly. And, again, it's one of these deals where you just have to figure out exactly what's working for you. I thought last week, even though Green Bay did come up short, okay, that's the reintegration of Alan Lazard in the offense. That's having Robert Tanyan and, you know, your main playmakers. I even made the comment during the game that, you know, after a game in which against the Jacksonville that they were swinging in Jawan Winfrey from the practice squad, he played a half dozen plays. It was more your standard four top four receivers in this game with Lazard, Adams, uh, MVS, obviously, and then EQ St. Brown uh, sure. getting the 23-yard screen. The biggest question I have going into the month of December here is, okay, you've, you've gotten this far. You got Aaron Jones healthy. Jamal Williams is doing fine. What does this look like? What does the Matt LaFleur offense look like as you move into the month of December? How much running are we going to see? What are the allocations of snaps going to look like? We always used to joke about, I personally did, you know, Mike McCarthy would always have this list of, okay, well, we got to get Eddie Lacy this many carries and James Starks this many carries and Christian Michael this many carries. I remember even seeing it on the board. It never worked out that way. Yeah. But no, Mike had what was. he was aiming for. Just seeing what the preparation is and how that gets affected throughout the course of the game that, that, I think that starts on Sunday. I th you're facing a team that, yeah, as you said, they are giving up yards on the run, but I think they're 10th in the, in the league when it comes to average yards per carry. They hold up their end of the bargain, but they're there to be had. I think it's a great test for Green Bay. I think it's something they need to do, looking specifically as a running game, to be able to bounce back after what some of the things that came up short against Indianapolis. Yeah, and not that we need to belabor, belabor the point on third down because third down is always important. But as I said, the Bears are first in the league in third down defense percentage-wise. The Packers are fourth in the league in third down offense percentage-wise. There are going to be some critical, critical third downs in this game on Sunday night that, uh, that will factor in. I want to just get your thoughts on some other games on Sunday since we get to watch the bulk of the Sunday yeah. slate before the Packers will kick off in the evening. That's fun. Your thoughts on, on Carolina going to Minnesota. And I bring this up because Carolina is a team the Packers will be playing in December. That game has now been slated for Saturday night on December 19th at Lambeau Field. But if you ever... If you ever want an example of the NFL being a week-to-week -week league, as we talk about, 
Two weeks ago, the Carolina Panthers gave up 46 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Seven days later, they shut out the Detroit Lions and won 20-0. to zero. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen that, from 46 points allowed to zero from week to week. But my point is, Carolina, you don't really know what you're going to get. And now Minnesota, is they're, they're hanging by a thread here in the NFC North because of that loss to the Dallas Cowboys. That, just I, gotta, I have to comment on this. That Panthers-Lions game is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Wasn't that crazy? With all due respect to him, P.J. Walker from the XFL was starting for the Panthers at quarterback. Unbelievable. I mean, they don't have Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know what Bridgewater's status is for this week yet. I do know it's kind of up in the air yet with Christian McCaffrey. With McCaffrey, yeah. Because he's on my fantasy team, <laughs> and it's currently killing me. Uh, but Minnesota, I think there's a stat out there. Something like the last five games, they've only allowed one rushing touchdown. So regardless of whether or not McCaffrey's on the field, uh, this Vikings defense is playing much better. But both of these teams are sitting at four wins going into the month of uh, December. One of them for sure is not going to have more than that as they march into that that month. So yeah. this is sort of the last call. If you want to make a playoff run here, if the yeah. Vikings want to show that they're for real, it's so tough to win three, four, five games a row in this league. You're going to have a let-up at some point. Unfortunately for Minnesota, it happened against the Cowboys at home. But you can have a chance to get one back against the Panthers, or you're going to be looking really far up now at this NFC North as you march into those last four games. Yeah, no question about it. Um, another interesting one in the AFC. We saw the Colts take on the Tennessee Titans on the Thursday night before – the Colts then took on the Packers. Well, now the Tennessee-Indianapolis rematch is here already. These two teams playing each other twice in a span of three weeks. The Colts get the Titans at home. Both teams are tied with the best record in the AFC South. Um, so first place in, in that division is on the line. And both of these teams coming off of big wins, both overtime wins, as a matter of fact, yeah. because the Tennessee Titans beat the Baltimore Ravens in overtime on a Derrick Henry touchdown run just curious your thoughts on what we're going to see here in the AFC South with these two heavyweights going at it well I understand as difficult as it was for the Packers to lose that game the the real thing you have to understand from the Colts perspective is they're heading into a meat grinder here at the end of this season now again they have to face the Tennessee Titans they were able to turn them back can you do it for the second time in three weeks you get them at home but after that you're taking on a Las Vegas Raiders team that has really surprised a lot of people they still have a game in Pittsburgh coming up and for whatever reason, with how this AFC got scheduled out this year, <laughs> uh, they faced the Texans twice in three weeks as well. So it's a bizarre wow. schedule that they have lined up, extremely AFC South heavy. Uh, but in terms of Tennessee, yeah, it's a competitive final stretch here. You're going to have Green Bay. You do have a Cleveland team that's off to a pretty good start yep. playing competitive football. But you have to show that you're still the team that everybody thought you were when they think everyone sort of pegged them just to be able to turn back the Colts two weeks ago, and it didn't happen. So right. uh, seeing if they can not only – okay, they ran the ball exceptionally well against them, 154 yards, whatever they finished with, but they couldn't throw with a darn. Can you get the passing game going? That's ultimately, I think, going to be the biggest indicator of whether or not they can come out uh, with a victory. Yeah, one other one I want to get your thoughts on before we go. Uh, Cross-conference game here, Kansas City – is at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers coming off of the Monday night loss to the Rams. They're now two games back in the loss column to the Saints in the NFC South, yeah. but they have to face the one-loss Kansas City Chiefs, who, other than that one time this year, they just seem to pull out 
a game. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes just seems to be uh, um, seems to be the guy you want with the ball in his yeah. hands at at the end of any game. Um, this is a big one. This is a big one for Tampa Bay because if they lose, if they pick up their fifth loss with the way the New Orleans Saints are playing, and they have no more games left against New Orleans, that division is almost over. The division race is going to be hard. Fortunately for them, the NFC, as as much of a toss-up as the AFC is right now for the top nine spots right now in that conference, the NFC has pretty much sorted itself out for the most part. If the Packers would be able to beat the, the Bears on Sunday, I mean, you basically have your top seven teams here heading into December, and it's pretty yep. well-defined. Yeah. That being said, you need to be able to win your division in order to host a game. Right. So, I mean, this is critical for Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers, more than any other team, I think, and there's been a lot of them, just seem like they ebb and flow so drastically week by week. They can have magnificent performances. They can have massive letdowns. Well, now you're taking on not only a team that is considered to be, again, a front runner for the Super Bowl, but a squad that's basically been beaten once and, I mean, really hasn't been touched otherwise. So uh, seeing how they respond to that's going to be really interesting. And, and also from the AFC perspective, whether it's this game, you have Pittsburgh going to be taking on Baltimore again. Pittsburgh is sitting at 10-0, and 0, the, the quietest 10-0 and 0 I think I've ever <laughs> really seen in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, this is a huge game in a lot of ways for Kansas City as well to yep. show that uh, they're still very much in this thing, and they want to get that one single buy here yeah. in uh, the AFC playoffs. Yeah, the lone buy at the, uh, at the top of the playoff standings in, in each conference will certainly be uh, an interesting story as we get into December. But we got to say it too, the Cleveland Browns, if they can turn back the one-win Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on Sunday who are now going to be turning to Mike Glenn as their starting quarterback, Cleveland assures itself a non-losing season. There so, you go. A lot of things happening, and it's looking like looking like the Browns are going to have a legitimate shot at the playoffs yeah. here, as long as they uh, as long as they can uh, can take care of business against a team like Jacksonville that I'm sure they believe they should beat. So, uh, well, happy Thanksgiving again. Yeah, I got to get the turkey friend. ready. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and everything from Sunday night's big game, Packers-Bears at Lambeau Field. It'll all be for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Take care and happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time.